Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short, about a 13-minute Bible study every single day. But even that short period of time still gets us into God's Word, and since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, well, you see, getting into God's Word every day is really important for the strength and growth of our faith. We encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But you know people in your life who need to turn their life around. They need to grow in their faith. They need to think about their relationship with God. Share these short studies with them and help them to do exactly that. Share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody come to God. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to begin a new line of thought and study today. We're going to talk about hope. Now, we've talked about hope through these today's Bible class studies different times. We've certainly talked about hope from a more general perspective, but I want us to look at, at five pictures of hope that are laid out for us in the New Testament. Well, in God's Word, not just the New Testament, but in the Bible as a whole. You know, we, we think about hope, and we use that particular term in a rather different way than what the scriptures really uh, talk about when they're using the word hope. It's very focused in God's word. For us, it's kind of a wish, a dream, a desire. Well, that's not what we really need to be focusing on when we're talking about looking for the hope that God offers us. The hope that he offers us through his word, and ultimately his word teaches us about how to come to him for that hope, and that is through Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, his Son, as we come to God for in repentance and confessing our need to be forgiven through Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in him openly, being baptized, at which point the blood that Jesus shed on the cross on our behalf will cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. And we will be forgiven. We will be redeemed. We will be saved. We will be given literally a new life spiritually, as Jesus put it in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, born again. Our souls will be purified, as the apostle Peter put it, and we will become a new creation spiritually, as the apostle Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Well, hope, hope. Again, this is something that is, for so many people, so longed for, they need hope. At the same time, it's something that's so elusive for so many people because they're looking in the wrong places, or maybe they're looking in the wrong ways. But hope is what really keeps us going in life. It is a motivating, even a guiding and driving force in our lives. And people without hope well, what does that leave them with? Hopelessness. They live a life without hope. We, from, we, we often live our lives almost primarily from a, uh, from a physical perspective. And so we're looking for hope 
through some particular means that this world or some particular avenue that this world might offer us. And that's surface level hope. That's not the hope that's really going to fulfill and sustain us, not just through this life, but looking forward to eternal life with God in heaven. The hope that God offers us as it is communicated through his word repeatedly is a desire for hope, yes, but it's not a wild wish. It's not an unrealistic dream or desire, but it is the desire coupled with the expectation of its fulfillment, and that's real New Testament hope. That's the hope that goes with being a saved Christian. I want us to look at five, five pictures of hope laid out for us in the scriptures. And a picture is worth a thousand words, isn't it? Now, when we look at a picture, we say, oh my. Sometimes we look at modern art and we say, oh my, what in the world happened there? <laughs> I don't get it. But then we look at other pictures, and they might be pictures of nature scenes, or maybe it might be a portrait of an individual, and we see tremendous beauty there. We see, maybe it's a landscape setting, and we see meaning there. But we look at that picture, and we say, well, that's what's behind the statement, a picture is worth a thousand words. You don't have to explain it all in detail. You just look at it, and you see it all right there before you. Well, the Bible uses at least five pictures of hope to help us understand what hope really is as offered by God. God said, I will prepare a lamp for my anointed, Psalm 137 and verse, and verse 17. Now, he's talking there, I believe, about David in particular as the anointed of God, and that would be anointed to be king over Israel. But there's an image there. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. The first, the first image or picture of hope that I want us to look at in the scriptures is the idea that hope is a light. It is a light to help us see through the darkness of a world that is engulfed in sin. We really need that hope of a way out of this darkness of sin. Now, first, we need that individually because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and verse 23. And the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the rest of Romans 6 and verse 23. There's our hope. We need that shining light of hope to guide us through this life, first out of our own sin and then into that life of faithfulness before God, dedication to him through Jesus Christ. How can we be forgiven of our sins? Imagine what it must have been like for a great many. In fact, we're told that about 3,000 were baptized on the day of Pentecost. I don't know how many thousand more might have been gathered together on that occasion listening to that gospel sermon that is portrayed as being spoken by the, by the apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2. But he was not pulling any punches. He was not beating around the bush. He was not sugarcoating the message of the gospel during, on that day before that crowd. 
He was telling them pointedly, directly, you crucified the Son of God. You saw the proof that he truly is the Messiah through all of the signs and wonders and miracles that he performed. And Peter said, in your midst, and yet you still rejected him. You did not believe in him. You saw the prophecies being fulfilled through his very time on this earth, and yet you still did not believe in him. You rejected him. You turned away from him. And so Peter was saying, you've got to repent of that. You've got to come to him. You've, make, you've got to make a 180-degree turn in your life. Well, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, go back to verse 36. And there Peter said that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. The fact that you did not believe in him did not change the truth of the matter that he is the fulfillment of the coming Savior, prophesied to you numerous times in the Old Testament scriptures. God has made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is your Savior. He is the Savior of mankind. There is no other Savior. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, Peter said, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So back to Acts chapter 2, verse 36, again, he is your Savior. God has made him both Lord and Christ. You're rejecting him. You're not believing in him. You're putting him on that cross. Did not change the fact of who he is and what he is. Well, then, many ask the question, what shall we do? Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. And Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's how we come to forgiveness and salvation in Christ. Someone might say, well, it doesn't say anything about salvation there. Uh, You have to be forgiven before you can be saved, right? And forgiveness and salvation go together. Now, if you look at what Jesus told the apostles as he was ready to ascend back to heaven, in Mark chapter 16 and verses 15 and 16, he told the apostles to go and preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. So we have to first come to the light of hope, the light of hope that says God has made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and thereby saved spiritually as we're baptized into Christ. The blood that he shed on the cross cleanses us of the guilt of our sins. Saul of Tarsus, later to become the apostle Paul, But before he became a Christian, he was a violent enemy of the church. He tried to destroy the church. He hunted down Christians and took them into custody, tried to compel them to blaspheme the name of Christ, and then voted for the death of them on some occasions, their execution. And yet, he learned the error of his way. When the Lord sent 
a Christian man named Ananias to teach Saul after he had been confronted by the Lord on the road to Damascus to hunt down more Christians, Saul was struck blind. He waited for three days. He was praying. He wanted to understand what he needed to do. He quickly came to understand that he had been totally misguided in his mind about Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is his Savior. And so Ananias came to him and said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Saul understood what he needed to do, and he obeyed humbly. He repented and obeyed. He turned to the Savior he had, could we say, rightly hated. He became a Christian, an identity that he had tried to stamp out of existence as much as he could. He learned. He learned. The light of hope suddenly was lit before his very eyes. Oh, he had believed in God before, but he had been in error through that belief. Now, believing in God was correct, and he needed to have faith in God, but the way that he had faith in God was in error. He did not believe that God had sent his son as his savior, and Saul needed to believe that. He needed to see and come to that light of hope that God sent his son, Jesus the Christ, to bring to mankind. We'll talk a little bit more about the light of hope, that picture of what hope is as portrayed for us in the scriptures. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us that light of hope. Help people to open their eyes to see it all over the world please, we pray, and to come to you through Jesus Christ, where that light really is. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.